Hello, Pulse Check listeners. This is Dan Diamond, and welcome to our special Pulse Check series on the coronavirus, where we're popping up a few more episodes to cover this globe-changing outbreak. Today, I'm in conversation with my colleague, dispatch host Jeremy Siegel, and we're discussing President Trump's strategy around the coronavirus and where things may be heading in the coming days. COVID cases are exploding, doubling every few days in some communities in this country. Now with calls at the state level growing louder and more insistent for Americans to isolate, President Trump focused on boosting the economy is talking about ways to get back to business soon. I said earlier today that I hope we can do this by Easter. To be clear, top officials on the White House Coronavirus Task Force call that timeline aspirational. No one is going to want to tone down things when you see what's going on in a place like New York City. I mean, I mean, that's just, you know, good public health practice and common sense. Politico has deployed its entire newsroom to cover this historic outbreak. You can follow that coverage in the newsletter that comes out every night. We're calling it Politico Nightly. Or you can stay tuned to Politico Pulse, the newsletter that I co-write with Adam Kankren, which should pop up in your inbox every morning. Jeremy, you're at, you're at home and not in the office, right? Yes, I'm in my closet right now, <laughs> my <laughs> my recording studio. Are you standing in the closet? Or are you sitting? In no, the I'm sitting. I'm sitting on a paint can. Which I actually, I just recently put a pillow on top of to make it a little bit more comfortable, and that's that's pretty nice. Is, is there room for a chair, or is the paint can all that fits in the closet? The the paint can is all that fits, basically. Like I could try to put a chair in, but then my head would be like all up in the shirts I have hanging in here. So, it's uh. It's rough. <laughs> so what you're saying is the longer our podcast goes, the more your your gluteus maximus gets used to uh, being fit around a paint can. Exactly. So please stop asking questions. <laughs> 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 so on top of us having weird weeks, you know, adjusting to this new lifestyle, um, something else we've seen, you know, going on for the past few days is these daily, I mean, sometimes more press briefings from President Trump and his coronavirus task force. Um, and during those briefings, we've been seeing Trump say some things that are outright wrong or, you know, misleading um, and that contradict what a lot of health officials are saying, you know, that we're going to be out of this opening things up again in the U.S. by Easter, overstating the efficacy of an anti-malaria drug um, and not mentioning, you know, some of the side effects of that. How are health experts in Trump's administration handling that? They generally hate it, but they're handling it very delicately. This president, to be generous, is is fickle in his favor. He can promote one official. He can fire another. The crisis that we're in right now does hem in what the administration is likely to do. Tony Fauci can jump in front of the microphones and and subtly correct the president. Trump is probably not going to fire him tomorrow, both because of the effect on the nation's psyche and confidence, and also because he needs these people right now. But the president is spouting a lot of misinformation. The cure that he and others have attached to, the potential cure at least, of chloroquine, this anti-malarial drug, we don't know yet if that drug works at scale on coronavirus. There may be horrible side effects for a significant number of people. And some of the folks who are most strongly pushing that drug on Fox News were essentially hucksters, people who claimed they were affiliated with Stanford when they were not. 
So health officials are trying to, in public, in those press briefings, and more aggressively in private, steer the president toward using proven clinical trials to test these treatments, to think about the public health measures like social distancing, and focus on the long-term, not just the short-term quick fix that the president has so often been attached to. I've read articles saying that this next week is going to be the real determining factor of whether we get this under control or not in the U.S. Do you think that's true? It depends how you define control. The virus is not under control. It will not be under control by the end of this next week. It has almost certainly been slowed down by these distancing measures where I'm in my home, you're in your home or in your closet. The more that we stay apart, the harder it is for the virus to spread. But it is still spreading in the United States, partly because not everyone is going to be locked in his or her home. There's still interaction. There also are people going into their hospitals for care. That will spread the virus too. We know from Italy and we know from other hotspots that hospitals end up becoming vectors for people to be infected. Basically, anytime you see a count of the number of cases, you're seeing a snapshot of the past because it takes a number of days to figure out how many people have the virus. Testing is still limited. There are many people who are infected right now and don't know it yet. And then the course of coronavirus can be weeks long. Someone can develop the symptoms today, need to be admitted to a hospital next week, and then be in the hospital, eventually on a ventilator, for many weeks more. So we're just at the beginning of this. Even if everyone stayed in their homes for the next two weeks, local health systems will get hit as more and more Americans develop symptoms and end up needing hospital care. So if we stay on the trajectory we're on, you know, keep doing things the way we're doing them right now, we're still going to see a lot more people getting sick. Yes, just because people are already infected. And while we have taken good public health measures like shutting down hard-hit cities, businesses sending people home, more testing coming online, that is all coming after a long period when the virus was silently spreading without officials fully realizing it. And it's going to take some time for the data to catch up to the reality. Can we say, like looking down the road, how many people are likely to get sick to test positive for this? Or is it just way too hard to predict something like that? There are epidemiologists who have modeled this out in different ways. The universal scale of how many people in the U.S. will get infected could be well in the hundreds of millions, depending on the course of this infection over the year. Again, the longer we stay apart, the likelihood of that infection rate being slowed or ultimately eliminated. There was an article in the New York Times that said if we all just froze in place six feet apart for the next 14 days, the virus would die off in the United States, which isn't going to happen. I mean, it's not feasible, but it gets to the core issue here, which is as long as we don't interact, we can kill this virus. The virus is not going to walk around and come into our homes without us helping it. If we follow on the current trajectory, it appears that there are 8,000, 10,000 new cases being diagnosed per day. Many of these are people who are already infected days ago and are only now learning it. But we seem to be on a path where within the next week, 
easily 100,000 people could be infected officially in the United States, if not more. How realistic is it to to actually try to keep people apart? I mean, you mentioned that like if we really, really did that, it would slow the spread significantly or get rid of the virus. But people are already kind of going stir crazy. Two more weeks of this. It just sort of seems like it's very unlikely that people are going to keep heeding these guidelines. And you have the president, you know, saying that we're going to reopen the country soon. Do you think it's actually realistic to keep people apart? I think it depends how much of the government puts its force behind it. If I go a little stir crazy and need to go outside for a run, I can do that right now. The rules in Washington, D.C. are are flexible enough, loose enough, that I can leave my house. In other countries, that's not the case. There are penalties for going out except for emergency needs. There are police monitoring uh, whether people are staying in their homes We have not gotten to that point. And if we did, that would change the dynamic, I think. If if we were told by threat of punishment that we have to stay home, that's a different scenario. I do think people don't want to stay home too much longer. I'm I'm a little introverted and it's driving me nuts to be this introverted. I I don't want it at this level. But if Americans understood that it, it is buying us time for our safety, I think that changes the calculus. And for Some days, Jeremy, I think the news media on every side of the aisle had coalesced around this idea. But we've already seen in the past few days an argument rising essentially among conservatives that if we stay home too much longer, that will put the economy at risk. This does not have to be the choice. Ashish Jha of the Harvard Global Health Institute called it the dumbest debate that we are thinking that we have to choose between the economy and being totally shut down in the face of public health risk, there is probably some path where we get to loosening the restrictions in some areas because the virus is not the same everywhere across the United States. People in Montana don't have to follow the same restrictions that people in New York City are following right now. That is a more nuanced conversation and nuance gets lost in these healthcare crises. But I do think that's what health officials behind the scenes are going to be arguing about with Donald Trump this week. I talked to a senior official not long before coming on this podcast, who basically put it in that dynamic that there are some in the administration who want this total shutdown to continue. There are others who want to loosen the shutdown in various places to let those economies potentially pick back up, but only if there's limited risk to those cities to those states of doing so. Where do you think we'll actually end up? Because, I mean, Trump is extremely market-minded. You know, his whole re-election campaign is kind of based around the economy. You know, looking two weeks, three weeks, a month ahead, will we see things lighten up? Like, what's the future of the U.S. response? I think the future of the U.S. response is going to be determined a lot by the future of the U.S., and it's about to get really bad. I, I am not sure if the average listener realizes this, but they will soon, just how bad it is in New York City hospitals. I was up late into the night getting messages from doctors I know, hospital workers, with just dire reports about the shortages already hitting these hospitals. And we're, we're not through March yet. These hospitals have projected that they might be filled up by middle of April. Already, they're running out of room. They're running out of ventilators to keep people alive. I heard an anecdotal report 
that an ICU at one Brooklyn hospital is, is already reaching out to the families of some patients to force the impossible choice of, we only have so many ventilators, your family member is experiencing low quality of life. How hard do you want us to fight for this person, essentially, as we need to prioritize resources? And as that trickles out into the public awareness, I think that will change the dynamic of how these decisions are being made. President Trump is someone who, as he said in a Fox News interview on Tuesday, he makes big decisions by instinct. Well, the instinct to open up the economy will feel a little different if Fox News and MSNBC and CNN are running horrible videos from the inside of New York City hospitals and potentially other cities too, uh, like New Orleans, which is also hard hit. So I, I don't think we know what the US will do, but we do have a sense for where this is going as an outbreak, and it's going in a very bad place for the next few weeks. You have been covering healthcare for a while. This is not your first outbreak. What's the most unnerving or surprising thing you see here in in this outbreak? Like what what's what's surprising you or making you scared about about this? While I wrote a little about the Ebola outbreak and I wrote about Zika, this is orders of magnitude different. It involves leadership in ways that those outbreaks, as scary as they were, there was not every single part of society is changing because of an outbreak. And in this moment, leadership, informed, decisive leadership matters. I, I do think it's concerning to watch President Trump, and by his own admission, make decisions that are not deeply informed. On, on one of his Fox News interviews, the president said he learned about the virus from watching TV and reading the news, and then he made his decision to shut down travel from China, essentially based on his gut. It, it doesn't matter who's in office. The president of the United States should never be in a position where the best information that he's getting on a historic global crisis is whatever is running on cable news. And as I've reported, as the Washington Post has reported, as the New York Times has reported, officials spent weeks and months trying to get the president to take this threat seriously. And for a variety of reasons, it didn't happen. That That's what's concerning to me. When I can get under the hood and talk to officials who are inside the administration and say that the decisions made all the way at the top are not always based on the best evidence. And in a public health crisis, it's going to be chaotic at times. There are going to be bureaucratic screw-ups. Leaders are going to make mistakes. It's much easier to look back and see what went wrong than to be in the moment and make that right if if at times impossible call. But you want those leaders to agree on a shared set of facts. You want them to have the same decision-making strategies in mind. And President Trump can come in and his allies, sometimes from outside the government, can come in and blow up the policy process in a way that makes it very hard to respond to a global outbreak. I'm Dan Diamond. That was Jeremy Siegel, and that's our show. Our producers are Annie Reese and Jeremy Siegel. Jenny Ament is our senior producer, and Irene Noguchi is our executive producer. You can help us by leaving a rating or review. That will allow new listeners to find the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with you next week. <laughs>